Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Too Smart for This, a podcast for the smart and superficial girls everywhere. This week's episode is with my friend Any, also known as Any Given Sunday on Instagram, TikTok, everything. She is a recent graduate of Columbia Law School, a graduate of Harvard College, and one of my favorite follows in the beauty space. She makes incredible, informative videos about beauty. I love her stories because she just moved recently, so seeing her move into Brooklyn is one of my my favorite things ever. But most importantly, I just love how she shares her experience with success and her experience managing being a lawyer and a law student with her experience as a creator and how she's inspired so many people. And we have similar experiences growing up. And so it was really cool to hear how she overcame what she overcame to get to where she is now. And I think you all will really love this episode if you're someone who is multifaceted and interested in different things. And also, I think you'll really love this episode if you just want some inspo for some incredible black girl luxury because Annie is doing the damn thing and she's the type of friend I think anyone would be lucky to have. So I hope you love this episode. Don't forget to follow her everywhere because you won't regret it. And let's get into my conversation with her. Welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're an extremely busy person, so it's great to talk to you. I like to get started with a few rapid fire questions. And so let's get started. The first one is, do you know your big three in astrology or do you have a favorite like personality test? I don't know my big three in astrology. Myers-Briggs is like in theory what I go by. Um, and I know I'm an ENTJ in that. But I feel like I heard that like Myers-Briggs, like the originator, like kind of believed in some questionable things. So I'm also, yeah, like, you know, like, um, what is it? I don't quote, like, don't like hold me to this. I, you would have to do your research. But I think someone told me, I don't know, you know, kind of just like the survival of the fittest type thing that it's like, ooh, this is problematic and potentially racist. But also my Enneagram is type three and that is pretty like spot on for me. So those are the two things that I normally go by. Good to know. I'm also an ENTJ on Myers-Briggs, but I'll have to do some research and see what's going on over there. Okay. What is your hometown and where do you live now? My hometown is Queens, New York, and I just moved to Brooklyn. Exciting. I'm loving the moving content like so much. I love moving. I love organizing. I love apartments. So I'm with you on that. Okay. So what is something about you, your personality that makes you feel really smart? I don't know. For for me, I think I have a big, a very like when there's a will, there's a way type of personality. And like, there really hasn't been much that I'm like, oh, I can't do that. Or like, oh, like, you know, so it's just knowing and it doesn't mean I have to do everything. And that's something that I'm trying to learn and teach myself. Like, yes, if I wanted to plan a whole party, like I could, it doesn't mean I have to do it. doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that I can't call someone and hire them to do that. But it's very much so like, if I have an idea, if I have a desire to do something, like I know that I'm very capable of making it happen. So that's something that I appreciate about myself. Totally. I feel similarly, I think it's a hard, a hard, realization that just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Like I find myself in a lot of positions where it's like, oh, I'm just doing it because like I can and like you can ask for help and still be successful. Okay. What is your most important self-care practice? 
most important self-care practice i've actually been really bad i haven't done it since i've moved but um going on walks uh i like to take a walk like every day and i did that especially when i was studying for the bar that was really important and i just like will listen to music and walk i really like just having time in the day to listen to music in my headphones and tune out the world and also just to like move my body so that's something that i started when the pandemic started and like because that was my only opportunity to leave my home during the day and so Going on walks in the evening is my favorite thing to do. I love that. So then last rapid fire is, what is the worst advice that you've ever received? I don't know if it's a specific piece as much as it's probably like the notion that you have to do certain things in order to end up at a certain place. And I get that. Like you hear that a lot in the legal profession. And sometimes I just don't want to, like it's easy to get caught up in that, but I don't want to subscribe to well, if you want to do this, like you have to do that because I truly believe like anything is possible, whichever way you look at it and whichever way you cut it. And so I just think advice that tends to lend itself to the like idea of a cookie cutter path is probably like advice that I don't wish I ever received. I think it's probably most prevalent in that like law arena simply because it's so traditional, like a lot of the career path. And it was my like planned career path for most of college. And like, I even, I took the LSAT and everything. And I just remember being like, I know exactly what like the next like 40 years will look like, because that's just how like clear cut it is. But I really appreciate that. Like you're still in this field and you don't necessarily subscribe to that all of the time. So I'm excited to get into that. So before we move into all of our thoughts and tangents, could you tell us a little bit about your background, who you are and what you do now? Yeah, so I'm Eni. I am originally from Queens, New York. I've lived in New York my entire life with the exception of going away to college. So I went to Harvard, graduated in 2017. I studied government and sociology there and knew I had a feeling that I wanted to go to law school. Not had a feeling. For most of my life, I knew I wanted to go to law school and studying sociology really just emphasized that. Um, I took a couple of years off to teach. I taught middle school history in East Harlem. So I moved back home. Um, And it was during that time that I started blogging, just like posting Sunday style posts on Instagram. And I told myself after a year, like, make it something or let it go. So I decided to make it something. I started blogging and creating content whilst teaching. And I attended law school and recently graduated from Columbia Law School this past May. And so I am currently, you know, trying to live my best life after taking the bar exam and before starting work in October, which looks like hopefully traveling soon, working on content and just figuring out like what next steps for me look like in a career. So yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Amazing. It's like you say, you can say these things so casually, but they're all so impressive. It's like, you know, you went went to Harvard, then taught, then went to Columbia. Like that's all a ton, a ton of work, like especially to do blogging like on the side and now you have a very like successful career as a content creator and it's in the beauty space specifically so what made you decide and in that year you were like make it something or make it nothing like what made you decide to make it something was a personal passion or was it like you wanted something outside of work to like keep you excited Yeah, I definitely wanted something outside of work to keep me excited. I wanted just something else to do, something that I liked in a way that was fun. So 
So I'm naturally desire structure when it comes to certain things. And so it was kind of like turning it into something like having a blog, like gave a sort of structure to it. And I also liked to write. I think I like to write more than I gave myself credit for at the time. Um, so it was kind of fun and it allowed me to talk about more than just beauty or more than just what products I was using. It would be like, you know, just navigating life as a recent college grad in her 20s as a Black woman living in New York. So whether it was talking about dating, talking about my faith, whether it was talking about building friendships or work, things like that. It was just like, let me just have a space that's my own can sort of be like my online diary, but like not really and see whoever cares if they care can check it out as well. 100%. I also think you did a great job of turning it into something. So I kind of want to talk about that structure because you had a lot going on. You have a lot going on. How do you organize yourself? And do you have any tips for people who struggle with like time management or building structure for themselves? Yeah. So I am a big, like, I like to write things down to process them. And I like the feeling of physically checking something off of a list. So like, even though I do have some digital to-do lists and like, I do have, you know, certain apps that like, you know, allow me to keep track of everything. Like at the end of the day, if it didn't get written down in my like notepad, it probably didn't happen and is not going to happen is kind of how I operate. So I have like a physical planner and then I also have GCal, all of those things. My advice to, and mind you, I'm still not like the organized person and I, the most organized person. And I think having this time period of like just focusing on content has allowed me to realize that. But I will say, and at least something that I'm working on that I think is also good advice is like be reasonable or realistic about how much time something is going to take. Like, I love to downplay how much time filming like a skincare video might take. But because it's like, oh, I would have to do my skincare anyway. So like, let me just, you know, it'll be like 15 minutes. And then you're just like, oh, and then there's editing and then there's the text. And then there's, you know, if it's a sponsored deal, I have to upload it to TikTok to put the text overlay, then um, screen record the video so that they get that version of the video and all of this, like all of those things. And it's like, if I'm being honest, that 15 minutes that I allotted in my head is really like two, three hours. And so really like trying to attach a time to the tasks that I have on my to-do list has really helped um, and probably will continue to help me like stay organized and stay on top of things. I love that, especially because I am also someone who's like, oh, I can fit it all in today. But then it's and then I spend four hours like redoing like my website or something like it's like I think we forget. Uh, but being honest with yourself is a really great like piece of advice for people. And like, I'm also someone who loves to check things off, like on a physical to do list. I don't know where like I got that from. But it's so helpful. I feel like in this time of being like, a quote, like full time content creator, like, are there things you love about it? And like, would you ever do it full time? Or like, I get this question a lot, and I hate it. So I'm sorry to be asking it because I also have a career that I am passionate about. But like, what are like the pros and cons? Like, how do you feel about it as a career? Yeah. So the pros and cons, I don't know why. So I've had a lot more sponsored content lately, which is like great because it's a great opportunity. I know this is going to be like very weird to say, but like sponsored content is probably like the least favorite part of what I do. And maybe that makes sense. Like if you're a true creator, like I'm just like, I appreciate working with brands as it's like, okay, I feel seen and I can, you know, fund other areas of content or just generally fund like the things that I'm doing. 
But at the end of the day, it's like, I really enjoy being able to just have that creative freedom and all of those things. So the pro is, you know, making money off of it. Like that's fun. But then at the same time, I feel like I've had like sponsored content guilt where I'm just like, there's so much more sponsored content that I'm putting out, which means there needs to be even more organic content. And so you kind of like up the ante. And so I've kind of like felt like a little pressure. Like, you know, are people thinking like, oh, this is so much sponsored content that I'm like, I need to like for every sponsored content I have, I better have like two pieces of organic content ready to go on TikTok or like, you know, I need to fill in the days where I don't have sponsored content on, on Instagram with like organic content. So like the more paid collaborations you have, like that kind of feels like the more organic content you need to be producing, which overall then makes it feel like that full-time content creator space. Because it's not just like, oh, I'm doing sponsored content. It's like, I'm doing sponsored content and now I need to go full force with the organic content to make up for that. So that's kind of like what I've been feeling, which is a pro and a con. And this is no offense to anyone who was a full-time content creator. I feel like specifically for me and just the awareness I have for like my brand, I feel like a lot of it is built on, you know, being multifaceted or, you know, doing, pursuing multiple interests. And that's not necessarily just a brand thing. That's also like who I am and how I feel. And so the concept of going full-time sometimes makes me feel a little iffy because I would go from, it feels like I would go from being a person who's simply sharing my life and sharing, you know, the things that I'm going through, the transitions that I'm experiencing, in addition to the things that I'm loving, the products that I'm loving and switching from that to a full-time content creator would sort of almost make it seem like I'm exclusively switching to sharing about the products that I'm loving, right? Because, you know, I'm sharing my routines, which wouldn't change necessarily, But when you remove kind of like that, just something else, it doesn't have to be law. I don't know that I'm going to stay in the legal field forever. But when you remove that something else, it almost exclusively shifts to like, these are the things that I have, as opposed to like, this is what I do and this is who I am type of thing. Like, I do think there are content creators who still manage. And that's not to say that every full-time content creator is like just pushing products, but it is a lot easier to get to that just pushing products. Um, phase when you're full-time and that's personally not something that I'm comfortable with even like audience aside like I'm just like I don't know I feel like in order to feel fulfilled like I would be working on something and then this would also be in addition to but that's just like who I am and how I feel about like me and just also the the brand that I'm continuing to build 100% I think I agree with you on that because I feel like having a career and being able to share about my career is something that makes me feel not just like more relatable, but like you said, fulfilled because you are, I don't know, like I I like having like my hands in lots of different pots and doing multiple things at once. So you mentioned that you kind of just like are someone who believes like anything can happen, that you have all these different opportunities and you want to pursue all of them and you don't feel like you can't do one or the other. Like you want to do both. Where do you think that like comes from? I don't know. It's hard. I think it's just so well, half of it might be innate. Like I I feel like innately and I've had conversations with like my mom, like when we talk about like, why are you this way? And like the this way that I'm referring to is like just all different things. Like I'm like, I like to create content, like at the very root of things. I'm like, I'm an extra person. Like I was having a conversation with my brother, my older brother the other day, or like a few weeks ago, because I was like giving him some products, like, because I have so many sometimes that I run giveaways, but also give family members. And he was like, this is crazy because like, you didn't even do this for money. Like we were talking about how much is there. And he was like, you didn't even do this for money. 
you did this because you're extra. And I was like, yeah, that's literally it. Like, I'm just playing glorified dress up online for the world to see, like, in so many different ways. And so my love for beauty comes from my mom. Like, she is like the OG for me when it comes to like wearing eyeshadow and wearing makeup and all of those things. Um, and so that's kind of like the nurture aspect. Like that was the environment that I was in. My, my mom, like I would play dress up in her clothes, but try and sneak some of her eyeshadow and like put it on and things like that. So, and so I don't know that it's necessarily like, oh, there was anything in particular that made me want to pursue multiple things at once. But I think it's just a result of like, what were the things that I was around? Who were some of the people that were in my life? And how did those, and those were the ways that the interests that I have kind of developed. 100%. I think like you also like went to you went to very like intense schools and like then af- and then you had to be like sort of a part of that excellence for a long time. And I remember you had this video that I resonated with a lot, which was about how like people on TikTok who give lots of advice, like don't always like aren't always giving the full picture of how much it takes to be in a place where you have like two Ivy League degrees, etc. So for you, like there's the aspect of sharing beauty, but there's also the aspect of sharing like the realities of your life. And I love your story times and like the honesty of like what it takes to be where you are. So for you, like were there things that you ran into while you were in those environments that like you felt were like frustrating or difficult for you or led you to where you are now? Or, or, or was it sort of an experience that you really embraced and like had a great time at? Yeah, I don't think I embraced or enjoyed an educational experience until I got to college. And it wasn't even necessarily like embracing the educational, like the academic side of things as much as it was like embracing the full educational experience, which is like outside of the classroom and like your socio-emotional development as like a young adolescent slash extended child. Because like when I look back on college now, I'm just like, we were still children and like college was a stimulation and we were just like thrust into summer camp that was four years long type of thing. But yeah, I think going, so I went to a private school in New York on the Upper East Side and I got there through like a program called Prep for Prep. That was entirely like a means to an end for me in a way. Like I literally like the stories, like I I had always wanted to go to Harvard. Like that was like a random like, five-year-old me like was wanted had wanted to go there and so like everything that I did was working towards it and my mom like I got the letter for prep for prep and it was like you know these are some of the colleges our alumni have gone to and I was like this is it this is how we're gonna get there and I remember my mom like had just had my little brothers and they were twins and so she was kind of just like oh I don't really know that I can deal with this I can't even go and I begged her to go to the introductory meeting like that was how much it was for me, um, how important it was for me. And I didn't understand the program. I was just like, but they say that people who do this program like end up at Harvard. So like, this is how we can do it. And so I didn't understand the concept that I was going to be going to a private school. Like, I didn't know anything. I was just like, this is the end and whatever happens in between. Um, but those years at, at independent school were very tough. And it was like the way I treated it was still that means to an end. Like, I don't love it here. I don't feel like I'm like, you know, having a great time here, but like, I know where I want to go and I know that that's why I'm here. And so it was very much so like, go to school, go home. Like, it doesn't matter if people are friends with you. Like, and I'm not saying I didn't have friends. I'm just saying like, you know, like when you're in that environment, especially as a black girl, like a lot of the things that you want to care about, like whether or not boys like you, whether or not you're invited to the parties, you know, whether or not you're sitting at the cool kids lunch table, like those were all things that I had to constantly tell myself don't matter because like, hey, this is where you're trying to get to. And this is not, you're not here for the cool kids table. Like you're here to like 
elevate and to move on and to, you know, go to the places that you've always wanted to go to. And so I never really looked at school as like being the place where I could have fun and where I could embrace my identity. And that changed in college just because like, not only is like, you know, I don't want to say there's more diversity because I think percentage wise, like they were the same, but it's simply just by being more people, right? Like 10% of now 2000 is 200, which feels a lot more than 10% of 60, right? Which is like six people, which is what my high school was. And so just the opportunity to really embrace parts of my identity, the Black Women's Association, I was the president of that my junior year. I became an AKA. I just had more of an opportunity to, to dive deep into the communities and spaces that I knew were important to me. Um, and that was what made it a lot more enjoyable. You know, I'm not saying, you know, I also like was in organizations that had a full range of diversity, but those were the spaces that were important to me. So those were the the relationships that I cultivated in college, which made me feel a lot more confident going back to law school and knowing that like, I don't have to put myself in spaces where I don't feel comfortable just because that's what I should be doing. Totally. I think because I had a similar experience and um, I went to boarding school and like nobody obviously was there like who looked like me or had my experience and my family didn't understand like the the intensity of what I was experiencing at all. So I felt super alone at that time in life. And then getting to college, I still felt like there was there was obviously opportunities to like build community, but that switch of going from survival mode to deciding what to enjoy and where to put my energy was the big shift I made in in school. And now coming into adulthood and being post-grad, I think like the hardest shift has been going from survival mode. You got what you wanted. Now you have to like, how do you enjoy it and how do you keep up with it? So for you, have you had to go from that place of like, okay, I've built this life for myself. How do I actually enjoy it now? Um, do you like ever sit back and you're like, wow, like, I did it. And, or are you sort of like still in go mode? Yeah, I'm still in go mode and pushing really hard to like enjoy and to be like, wow, I did it. And I even realized that like, I I hear or have heard lately a lot of people be like, I'm so proud of you. Like, congratulations. And in my mind, I'm just like, yeah, thank you. But like, I haven't really internalized like, oh, like people are proud of you. And you're kind of just like brushing it off in a way, not like brushing it off, but it's just like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, you know, but not really understanding like, whoa, like there are things that you could be proud of and that you should be proud of. And so it's always so weird because I am constantly in that go, go, go mode without like realizing or processing like, dude, like you've done a lot of the things that you said you wanted to do, like, and more. And things that you could have not never even imagined. And so like, it's like, I'm in a place where I'm having to teach myself, like, what does it mean to be proud of yourself? What does it mean to accept other people being proud of you? And like, a lot of that has to do with just like chilling and like being like, oh, like, let me not do anything today. And let me just like stare out the window because I'm in my dream, like apartment, like right out of law school, like those types of things. But it's been very interesting, like having like those mental conversations with myself of like, dude, like chill, like (laughs) relax. Like you have, like, it is okay to chill and like, like accept and not just brush off like people saying congratulations or saying they're proud of you or that you're an inspiration. That's another one that I'm just like, who are you talking to when you say you're an inspiration? Like what? I don't understand that one. Um, And like, so basically just trying to like, you know, really internalize those things, those statements and still figuring out what it means to even do that, to to understand it all. Yeah. I feel like it's like, I, I hear those things a lot too. And I think because 
the people who are telling us that are telling us that from a different position. And like when we are in the position of like doing what we did or like for you at Harvard, I'm sure you're like, okay, I'm here. Like this is my big dream. But for a lot of people there, it's just normal. And so you start to put yourself on that same playing field of like, oh, well, I'm not good enough until I do this, this, and this. When to everyone else, it's like, well, you got into Harvard. But once you're in there, like there's a whole nother level of expectations. And I think that's why I struggle so much to like admit that what I've done is like successful because like I work at Google, everyone at Google is successful. Like you're you're not interesting unless you're like you're not, you're just not like everyone is really crazy. So I find that like just recognizing that like you made it there and that's something to celebrate is a big deal too. Yeah, it's it's really interesting what becomes normal when you enter these spaces and how like the normal is a new normal that like we're just like okay, sure, whatever. Like it, you know, like I have friends in law school and med school, like I have friends who are working to be optometrists and sometimes I have to pause and be like in this friend group like you, this is big. Like I'm like I really have friends that are in medical school. I'm going to grow up and have friends that are doctors. Like what? Like that's so weird, but also so crazy. But then like in your day to day, you're just like, oh yeah, like we're all in school, like we're all grinding that type of thing. And it's normal when it's not really normal. It's exceptional. And like, it's really important to acknowledge that. 100%. And that's just so great. Like to grow up, grow up with people who are like going to be in all these different areas it's just so exciting I feel like and I also feel like the black women I've surrounded myself with like they're just exceptional and on another level 24 7 anyway like I just feel like there's no one I know who's like doing something <laughs> like for lack of a better word mediocre it's just like constant like excellence all the time so a question for you on the law school and like going to the corporate law world front so how did you go about like not comparing yourself to others or going into this, you know, very competitive and very difficult space and choosing to stay in this world where you were going to get a job in, I presume it's big law, and then go ahead and continue that like being a creator on the side, but also like, I want to have this like career, which is very difficult and very challenging to get. So what kept you grounded while you were going through that process? Yeah, I think in that way a couple of things i think looking at other examples of black women specifically who were at least in the legal space and also creating content so like marche robinson i'm thinking i think life in beverly heels she's someone who now i think like have has her own legal practice but also like is like a fashion content creator just an online content creator simply sin and then just like other women in general so like my favorite lashes to wear like my favorite strip lashes are lily lashes and the creator the founder of lily lashes is an attorney or was an attorney and also just has this like booming business clearly and is like you know an entrepreneur and all of those things and so I think it, what was really important was looking at different examples of like existing examples of what I could potentially be because like you're not going to find the content creator lawyer like in your law school on average like that's not on average what you're going to see like there are things that I would pull from the legal side of things like obviously like going into big law that seems like a pretty standard path but also just looking around and saying like okay but also who are the women who are doing both and how can that kind of guide me in my path to what I'm doing now and ultimately what I'm going to do later as well. For sure. I think having examples is something that it's hard to come by. Like obviously when you're a black woman and you want to do anything, you got to search a little bit more to find someone who 
can like emulate whatever goal that you want to achieve. But once you do, it's like having that little reminder that you can do anything because someone's done it before you. That always like feels good to me. I feel like with content creation, then when you decided to like take it into this place of like making it a business, how do you feel like you're going to balance it at work? Like, do you feel like you'll take a step back from content? Or do you feel like you're going to continue at this like rate that you're at now? And I know that's a loaded question. So I'm so so I'm curious what your thoughts are. I don't think I fully have grasped what like starting full time work is going to be like to know the pace like I imagine and I'm preparing myself for scaling things back on the content side, but potentially just in a more intentional way, right? Like, So still, I'll hopefully still have my weekends, right? Like, and still, since a lot of my content is based at like me being at home or me being at my vanity, like it's not that crazy, but I probably will need some help. So like an assistant will probably have to come into the picture and I probably will at first have to be a lot more, I mean, a lot more intentional about the sponsored collabs that I take and potentially scaling it back and not being able to take just like last minute things because like work will have to come first because I just don't like, you know, I never know what path I want to go on. I don't think I want to be like a partner at a big law firm, but like the connections and the relationships that I build at work could have and probably would have implications for the legal work if I want to do that down the line. And so I never want to be like do work that I'm not proud of because, you know, that speaks to me and my work ethic and that can impact just later in my career, like what people have to say about the work that I produced or anything like that. But I don't know. It's really hard to get a sense of how much work big law will be until I'm in it. A lot of people, you know, are like, Ooh, and like, you know, try to try to, I don't want to say their intention is to scare me, but when the way they speak is like, you're going to learn a lot. Like, how are you going to do both? Like, Oh my gosh. like And then I have to go back to that. Like, well, anything is possible. And I have to remind myself like law school wasn't easy either. Like I wasn't just big chilling in law school. Um, It was tough. Like there was law review that I was on. That was crazy amount of work. There was a regular course load. There, There were so many commitments in law school. And I still managed to, you know, maintain the the blog and maintain content creation. And so sometimes I have to remind myself, that's when the like, you know, bigging myself up and reminding myself, like, you've done a lot of work in the past. And while this might look different and have different, like, you know, parameters, that doesn't that have to take away from the fact that you've been able to balance both for a very long time, for three years. And so those are the reminders that I have to give myself about starting work. But while I'm getting adjusted, I do imagine just being a little bit more intentional about like, hey, like I don't really want to do this or now my time is even more precious. So like maybe that'll impact the rate, like maybe that'll impact the the deals that I take on. So that's those are the sorts of things that I'm thinking about, but I won't necessarily know for sure until I'm in the thick of it. But things like events, like, you know, I'm trying to enjoy them now because it's like, I won't be able to go to your lunchtime noon yoga class or like you know like I won't be able to go to the event that's at 5 p.m if something comes up and I'm working on something that's due at 9 p.m you know things like that so a lot of like events will probably get scaled back for me which is why I'm like just enjoying it now because 
my schedule and the things that I'm able to do during the day will look a lot different. Totally. I like never make it to any events because it's like, I have to go to work. And so I always get so surprised and like it happens so often. I don't know why I still get offended when I get an 11 a.m. invite for like a shopping thing. Like I'm like, do you guys not know that I have a job? But like, no, leaving that alone. These events are made with the assumption that you're a full-time content creator, which I'm like, is cool. But I like also feel like, I don't know. I feel like the, the content creation specifically is an industry where like there are a lot of people who are doing it as like an additional thing. And so thinking about that is just really interesting because there are a lot of events where I'm just like, ah, you made this for the full-time content creator and not me. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, how do you think I was going to get there? Like, it's crazy. Like you mentioned, though, you've done this, like you've balanced things for a long time. So how do you remind yourself like sort of who you are when you're like facing one of those like people who are doubting you or something like that? Do you have like a journaling practice or is it your faith that really helps you do that? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I don't even know that it's the journal or faith. Sometimes I just like look at myself in the mirror. Like I talk to myself a lot, like a lot more than people think. And like, really, like when I do something that I'm like, oh, like you, you really did that. Like I'll, I'll literally say it like that in that voice, like that, like, yes, like you did that. Like, but that's really important. Sometimes I don't think that my journaling, like I do journal some, I do have a journal that I really like and it helps me with content as well. That's called the story of my life. And that is what I use when I'm like, just wanting to think about experiences that I want to share. And then those are the types of things that also remind me like, huh, like you've had interesting experiences or you've been able to do this. And so that's something that I enjoy as well. So yeah, I think all of those things are just what helped me like, remember like, oh, like, you can do this or even conversations with my mom and she'll be like, well, you remember this or like things like that. So all of those things are helpful. And people who have known you for a long time, like my college friends will like be like, you really like even some high school friends would be like, we watched this from the ground up. Like you really like did that. Um, And so I think having both outside perspective and inner perspective is also really helpful. I think that's a, that's a good way to think about it too. It doesn't have to be like a specific routine, which I still struggle to just like remind myself a lot too. So internal and external, I think I'll take that with me. Okay. I have two more topics I want to touch on. One is being, being an influencer and one is your favorite beauty products. Cause I'm not letting you leave without giving the girl some recommendations. So for you, when it comes to creating content, you have a pretty specific niche, but you also sort of share your life outside of that. Do you feel like that's necessary to grow as a content creator now? Or like if someone is trying to get started right now, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I followed the very specific path on Instagram of honing down on a niche. And that I think it's very helpful. I think what it was for me was experimenting with different things. Like when I scroll back and look at my old reels, I'm like, you were kind of all over the place, which isn't a bad thing. But then once I realized like, oh, like this is picking up or this is what people are interested in or this is what I'm getting asked about the most. And that also aligns with what I feel comfortable sharing about. Maybe I should focus on that and see what happens. And so I do think on Instagram, it is important to think about like what area you want to focus on. It may not resonate. um, And if it doesn't, like sometimes you might have to pivot and think about what are other areas that I 
feel passionate about that also other people care about as well. My approach on TikTok, and this was very strategic, that this was a strategic decision. I initially started on TikTok because I was like, okay, um, I initially said I would never make a TikTok because of, I don't know, the privacy concerns that initially existed. And then simultaneously, just like all the talk about like the algorithm devaluing Black creators. I was like, why am I going to put myself on an app where Black people are literally getting played left and right? Like, I'm not going to do that. And then it got to a place where like the talk of the influencer and content creator industry was like, if you're not on TikTok, you're going to get left behind by brands. Brands are shifting to TikTok. Like you need to do that. So I was like, whatever. I made a TikTok and my initial like plan was like, I'm just going to watch the trends, see them pop off on TikTok and then like be one of the first people to bring them to Instagram because, you know, like Instagram is like two weeks behind TikTok. That was my initial strategy. So I was like, I'm just going to be a lurker on TikTok and see things and then like bring it back to Instagram. But then still that chatter of like, you need to create on TikTok. And while beauty was my focus on Instagram, my sense of the beauty community was that it's a little bit more challenging to enter on TikTok. It's It's a little bit more challenging. That is because on TikTok, the posting requirements are a lot like, you know, you have to post more consistently. And I'm just like, I'm not doing my makeup every single day. Like the reason it works on on Instagram is because I can post like, you know, two, three makeup videos a week, two weeks, every two weeks, whatever. But on TikTok, it's like, I'm not doing my makeup every day for me to be talking about this. And so I was like, and I, and I also was just like, you know, it's kind of like coming into a room and being like, Hey guys, I'm here. Like, these are the beauty products that I like, like, and let me tell you why. And people would just be like, who are you? Like, why should we care? Like you got here. And so I, I shifted and I was like, well, let me think about what makes my perspective or vantage point a little more unique. And I was like, I don't like talking about law school on Instagram because it was supposed to be my outlet. But I was like, it seems a little, there are less people doing like in law school and there are less people in the legal profession. There are even less black women in law school posting on TikTok. Then there are women posting makeup content. So I was like, this is going to be my entry point. And I'm going to talk a lot more about law school. And I'm going to show my day in the life as a Columbia law student, all of those things, instead of just talking about beauty products. And so that my, my strategy was to focus on law school on TikTok. And it was helpful because it was like, if you follow me on both platforms, you're going to get different content, which is why you should follow me on both. And so I would also think about that if you're starting out, like the repurposing content on both platforms can be cool, but like, why should I follow you on one and not the other? And so I posted on TikTok, like my, my mindset was post as if no one's watching, which is funny because those were the videos that probably get the most views. Like when I talk about things and I'm like, eh, I don't know to share this much or I don't know if I want to tell people about how I felt after a breakup or I don't know if I want to and it's like you realize it resonates and it impacts people a lot more than you might have expected that was how I approach things and I say that all the time because it's just like it takes experimenting it takes just like you know figuring out what resonates but then also like once you find what resonated, like think about consistently sharing that. And it doesn't mean every video is going to go viral. Like every voiceover I do is not going to go viral, but like I can be consistent in doing that. And people know to expect that from me. I think this is just such good advice because I think a lot of the advice is sort of empty and it feels like, okay, like just get started and be consistent. But I like that you explained why. And I think it is really hard for creators today because there are so many platforms and you can't just post the same thing on every single one and expect to pop off. So I like that you had that differentiating factor. And I think it's something underrated, like Instagram, what you're going to post on Instagram that's going to do well is not 
it's not the same algorithm as what's on TikTok. It's not the same thing people are expecting. And I work on YouTube shorts and I have creators come to me all the time and they're like, this had 10 million views on TikTok and like a thousand views on shorts. Like why? And I'm like, it's different audiences and different algorithms. So you've got to just like, if you want to be consistent, you can be consistent, but you can't expect the same content to do well everywhere. And so pick a, pick a platform and make a strategy for that platform. I really like the way that you explained that. So to all the aspiring content girlies, you've got the, you, that's your advice for the day. Okay, beauty products. I would love to know maybe like, oh, this is so hard because I know you share so much of this, but your favorite body, three favorite body products and three favorite face products. That's all I'll ask for today. Number one would be skin butters, body butter. That's like hands down my most consistently used product. And I feel like the comments on my skin just got like, they just increased when I like used this product. So I'm like, yeah. Dove's exfoliating scrub, super, I don't know that it's slept on, but like, love it. Love it, love it, love it. And I don't think there's a need for me to venture out into other scrubs anymore because one, the price point, it smells good and it works for my skin. So I would say all of the above. And then the last one, oh, Olay's body wash. It took a very long time for me to get onto an Olay body wash. And now that I have, like I just ran out of it and went to another body wash. And I was like, nah, I need to go, I need to go buy it now. Like I need to, I need, I need to go get it because there's no point in me trying anything else. Face products. Um, for skin, I would say any SPF, but like, I really love Tula's SPF. That's been like my consistent go-to. I really like Pharmacy Beauty's Honey Potion comes to mind as a thick moisturizer that I enjoy. And I'm thinking, thinking, I'm like scanning my beauty collection and my, my skincare collection and head. Ooh, favorite foundation is probably, I got to give it to NARS. That's my most consistent. I would say as a brand they generally kill the foundation game. So like my favorite is the soft matte foundation, but when I really want to glow, like I'm going for the light reflecting. And, but I'm like, I also know NARS has way more beyond that. And so like for anyone who's like trying to get into the realm of like more slightly like expensive foundations, cause they do cost a pretty penny. I would say check out NARS because they have a foundation for every skin type and they really do undertone. If you have an olive undertone as a black person, like they do that really well. So definitely NARS foundations. Oh, love it. She's got it all figured out. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Too Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.